Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. England will be playing four, four, three, two. Come on, you can forgive us for milking us. Three league wins since we started this, two against that lot as well. I'm sure you all recognise the Mike Bassett reference at the start. It seemed appropriate considering the abuse we've been dishing out to managers who have persevered with this system. But it worked, and we'll speak about it with Radio Newcastle's Nick Barnes. And it's at least a couple of weeks since Craig Clark from the Rock Report was here, so we've allowed him to tag along as well. Thanks, Isn't that Steve. a nice introduction, Craig? <laughs> Lovely, yeah. yeah. You dragged us in. I haven't even got a voice left, yeah. either. <laughs> we, we, we've been talking, Gareth and I speaking, and we say sort of, you know, how depressing it is that we, we do this every week, and we love doing it, but that we can't speak about a win. And has it been a bit like that for you, commentating Nick as well, where you just, you know, you get... You, I mean, I know you're watching it, like, as a fan as well, but you must get to a point where you're just thinking, please let me com- commentate on a winning game, a winning, winning performance. Was part of me actually looking forward to relegation because they'll win some games in the championship. <laughs> yeah. But it's it, you'd it, be surprised it, who a lot of people actually go with that sort of thing. Well, I mean, There's a theory that it you know changes the mentality of the club, doesn't it? But I mean, it is difficult. I mean, Benno and I have both said, and it's especially hard away games. You know, you've made a long journey and you've got to drive back or come back on the train from London, and it's yet another defeat. You know, it, it, it's amazing what a difference mm. it makes if, if a team wins, if the team wins a game, and it um, certainly does affect you for a few days afterwards. Hopefully that's transpired at the training ground as well that week, and they the carried on, but we were speaking before the mics came on, a brief team selection by Poyet, um, Craig, Gareth, Gareth, I know you text me the side um, <laughs> before the game, and sort of you're questioning shall we say but I think we, we, we spoke here as I said before Mike's come on we were all questioning it 4-4-2 everybody knows how I feel about 4-4-2 with the players we've got but you have to say Craig he got a pretty he got it pretty spot on because he's idea, the idea we got the ball early in the box to pressure the centre halves who we thought we spoke about last week said that might be a weak link and he played the game like a proper derby match didn't he it was um, it was you before the, uh, before we came on saying it was it was like sort of like Rocking the clock back 20 mm. years or something, wasn't it? 1980s, 1990s yeah. derby kind Getting of game. Little t- skill, wasn't it? Yeah, two and two local boys, like, all right, not Sunderland lads, but two local lads in the middle. And they, they got amongst it, didn't they? And they, they put the mark on the game. I thought Colback in particular was mm-hmm. outstanding. Now, I think we have possibly all, well, I certainly have thought maybe Z could make a, a mark on the team in a three man midfield, mm-hmm. but I didn't quite see it coming in a two man yeah. well, uh, system. But it, I mean, you can't argue with that sort well, of We said uh, last week, didn't we, we, Martin Smith was saying when he was here that 
and I agreed with him, he couldn't see us going four four two because Poyet has his reputation for going not for going direct for playing through the middle and we thought the only way a four four two would work is if he went direct. He did go direct to an extent, Nick, but not totally. But he the best thing was he, he tried to stop Kabai and Teoda playing Denis, and that was his first tactic. And we, do you think the thing, the fact that he picked the team and we had a lot of British players, Irish players, players who's played in this league before, they knew how to treat it like a derby compared to Newcastle. Well, I think there's an element of that. I think, but I think Gus Poyet did his homework. I think he was very astute with the team selection. I think, like you, I looked at that team sheet when I saw the, the starting eleven. It was a deep intake of breath because I, I just felt while it was an attacking. Formation. It was going to be four four two. You could see that from the from the name of the players on the sheet. You know, while you, while you felt it was positive, my fear was that it was going to expose the back four horribly because of Newcastle's pace and their reputation and number of goals they mm. scored. But I think you have to give it to Poyet for the the fact that he clearly you know addressed what he felt were Newcastle's weaknesses and felt that Sunderland could get at them and mm. it couldn't have gone better with an early goal. I think you know that that's from from Newcastle's point of view. They made a mistake in naming Paul Dummett as the centre-back. Someone said to me on the Friday, if they name him as a centre-back, uh, Stephen Fletcher's canny, he's going to use his experience, and, and that, that's exactly what happened early mm. in the game, and that set the tenor, really. Yeah, definitely. First time I've ever seen a short corner work for us, Karen. Mm. It's good, wasn't was it? That another, was, that <laughs> another, was, was that another instant where every, they took the short corner and everybody went, oh, what are you doing? No, I'm not, I'm not one of those, uh, <laughs> oh, I can't believe you've done that short corner thing. Um, but... Yeah, the, the the selection was a, a, a baffling. One. I was I was gutted to be honest when I saw the team. I was, I was thinking because like, well, he was talking about Key all week, wasn't he? Mm. You know, well, I think there's clearly Poyet again. You know, he deliberately, he deliberately think? I yeah. think did that in the build up because he talked. He really talked up Key, um, and there was and he and he let everybody talk up Wes Brown, and he went all the way down the road of Wes Brown. You know, he didn't deny ever that Wes Brown could come in. He talked up Key. Um, and he let us do, you know, make the assumptions, and it and it worked a dream as far as he was concerned. And even the the goal, the set piece, the short corner. I mean, mm. I said in my build up to the, in the in the commentary, they've clearly worked on this in the training mm. ground. It'd be nice to know whether the that that worked free kick was done entirely on the basis of Dummett playing. That's the impression I to get try and draw yeah. the players out and let Dummett stand on his own, mm. and, and it worked. Swansea, we we had that Sheringham corner, didn't we? That they they tried. Um, so he's obviously trying to, you know, mm-hmm. implement some new ideas. When manager it comes working to that. on set pieces, will never, mm. they'll never click on. <laughs> never. Um. Well, the irony is they concede from so many set pieces. <laughs> it's yeah. quite, you know, it makes a change to actually yeah. score from one. But uh, Craig, I thought we were helped by Newcastle's setup there. Nick says he's seen the team selection and he thought our back four were possibly going to be exposed. But I think this this um, false number nine, Ben Arthur, being flanked. He played it against Liverpool. It worked in that game. Generally, because Liverpool play three centre halves, and none of them really knew what to who to pick up, um, it didn't work so much against us. And I think it was probably criminal on their part that they didn't pressure our back four because the confidence in O'Shea and Quellar came back as the game went on, and it's just what they needed, wasn't it? Uh, definitely. Um, <coughs> obviously, you don't associate O'Shea or Quellar with pace, but Poyet also accounted that by they just played deep, and there was no focal point for Newcastle to play off. They don't, and they've got Cissé, who mm. when he came on was god awful. To be honest with you, um, he didn't hold the ball up. He didn't have any shots on goal. Well, we didn't see Goufran either. No, he was. He was Remy terrible. was very quiet. I think Remy was well looked after. Yeah. Either by well a combination of the midfield too, but also you've you've got to hand it to Larson as well. He 
again off the ball. Although he was nominally playing from well, the right. Well, it's funny because Larson and Johnson were my, you know, I criticised them, and I, you know, I freely admit I criticised them heavily after the Swansea game. I just think they were anonymous. Agreed. And I mm-hmm. and I thought, well, I'd be amazed if either of them get picked mm-hmm. for the game on Sunday. And then there they are, both in the starting yeah. lineup, and to give them their due, I mean, Larson especially, I mean, his work rate, his mm-hmm. work ethic. I think I mean I've never really questioned Larson's commitment and work. I said I just don't think he's good enough. And I think in it, when he plays centre midfield, he gets exposed mm-hmm. in his defence. Yeah. That's not his position. Mm-hmm. You know, when he signed, he was a right winger or a right midfielder. Yeah, that's why he played. But I was just saying to you earlier, Craig, that he, we did go direct to Alador at times. But I thought that they, they seemed to spend five minutes going down the left side, five minutes down the right. Five minutes to Altador and Fletcher, as if they're giving everybody a good five minutes. Right, okay, you work hard now for five minutes and spot, spreading the workload about. But it was the intensity was there from the start. So well, I don't it, know if that was you know deliberate, but it appeared to be. I feel a bit sorry for Desainer actually. He was bombing down the left yeah, wing, wanting the ball yeah. played to him, and Johnson always cut back, back inside yeah. and but back never gave, played it to him. But that gave Johnson. So you have my well, my thoughts on Johnson are that he's similar to Alan Johnston in the sense that yes, he is a left-footed player on the right whereas Alan, Alan Johnston was a uh, right-footed player on the left um, and I just I, I think his natural position is wide right even though he's left-footed but what um, the fact that Desaini was going down the line gave him the, the trick that he's got on the other side where it's either I'm going to come back in onto my left or I'll go down on the right and create the space to get the crosses in on his right foot and in fairness he delivered two fantastic yeah, crosses put in some and lovely balls from the left with his left foot another yeah. inch and they'd have, they'd have been in the back of the net but it's just to say and it was just creating the gap and mm. like you could see um, Debussy was like well I don't I, I don't know who to go to and, and that's then, another failing of their system in my opinion although on the face of it that front three looked a real threat pace we didn't really see any of that but coming back over, unless your central midfield players work really hard to cover the fullback areas and were no Debussy and Santon like to get forward, which they did fairly effectively in fairness to them, but they were quite exposed to to being doubled up on. Yeah, they were. I, I just think ultimately, what I've seen back of the game, it was the hunting and pack mentality mm. as well. It was oh, the closing yeah. down, it was the team. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was said, I mean, Poyet had said in the other week last week, you know, we're not a team. We've got too many talented individuals, but we're not a team. And I think it was quite interesting that that, that was sort of turned on its head at the weekend. We saw all Newcastle's talented individuals. You can see what they're capable of, but they didn't play as a team, whereas Sunderland mm. played as a team mm. on Sunday. And I think it was interesting. We just mentioned there that it was a bit like an 1980s or 1990s derby. I think when we looked at the team sheets again before and we seen the lineup, Kabay and Teori against Katamal and Kolbach was one of the things people were worried about. But what they're what they had done, what they were instructed to do was you know, get the ball away from them. You know, they were going there, they wouldn't let Kabai play. They forced Teotre back, so he was going backwards when he was deep in his own half. And they moved the ball very quickly, Craig. We, something we've always criticised our midfielders, mm-hmm. don't move the, move the ball quickly enough. And what they had done was, I think because you know we didn't want to make that a centre midfield battle, it's one we probably would have lost if the ball yeah. was there a lot. And that's why they moved it out quickly, wide and up front. And it was very specific instructions, wasn't it? Well, a friend of mine, a Newcastle fan, said to him before the game, if you want to get at us, get us in those wide areas. Because mm. Debussy and Santon aren't great going back over. And you're exactly right. Mm-hmm. Put the game, play it to the opposition's yeah. weakness. There's nothing wrong with pragmatism mm-hmm. and looking at an opposition and saying, that's where they're weak. And while we might think, and rightly so sometimes, that the midfield struggles when it's two against three, luckily for us, their third was Sissoko, who was Utterly anonymous as well. Well, Another one who didn't turn up. Where is Soko's position? What what Mm. what what does he do? Where does he Mm. play? Because he again he was being carried. I mean he didn't 
just for any threat away. really from Newcastle. Mm-hmm. Well, it's interesting. Well, as well as Sunderland's substitutions, I mean, everyone sort of you know looked a bit aghast when Johnson and Catamol came off. But I think that's exactly going back to that point about the quick passing, because Sunderland were starting to give the ball away a lot. They were trying to keep it fast passing in the second half when Newcastle were trying to push forward. But Sunderland then were getting into they were getting sucked into giving the ball away and giving it back to Newcastle. So I think he made the changes because they were they were tired. They were made, he, he made the right changes. You know, brought on players who would just up the te- keep the tempo up again. Yeah, and, uh, you, and mentioned push the, it. you mentioned the substitutions there, and that's spot on. I think one thing we always criticised O'Neill for was not making changes. The can he also even make them for the sake of making them at half time and stuff? Gareth, you always mm. always commenting on that, but the substitutions bowled again because Catamol was having a good game. They looked terrified of cutting them all, to be fair. And it's one way I think people remembered Key against Manchester United where he lost his man. But he, like Nick says, he, he kept the intensity, intensity levels up. It's all, We spoke last week and said Fletcher and Altidore might be asked to do a shift eight, you know, one player 60 minutes, run themselves in the ground, come on. It's almost as if he's asked Catamol to do that, give me a good 60 minutes, bring somebody as good as Key on as well, mm. to be fair. We would have all probably started him. And it, the substitution was spot on in that case. It's just give, kept the momentum with us. Well, as Nick says, Nick says we're losing momentum a little bit. Mm. Just grabbed it back with that substitution. I think the keys, the key change was an interesting one because I, I might have that, that might have been one I might have made a bit sooner. Um, and it probably, on the basis of what I saw live, and it's so, such bizarre that there was such mixed reports over Altador because Altador got man of the match. Well, that was a strange. I, I heard thought that he got Sky man of the and match. And I thought and he was, was thinking Colback and Catamol are the head yeah. and shoulders above. But I thought he was pretty poor. I did as well. And before I, Newcastle I scored, a, I don't at think the he had time. a great game. I mean, I think his strength is he does hold the ball up and he is a handful for mm-hmm. defenders. But I didn't see anything that he he produced in the game that would make you think, well, you know, we've got to play. He looked quite raw at times, like a bit of like yeah. a yeah. shout of water. He spoke to a lot of people watching the tail. Went in the pub afterwards and everyone was like, oh, Altador was brilliant. Well, that's a thing. That's a funny thing because we were seeing watching the game and we were seeing, you know, there was a times you could see him not wanting the ball, I thought. Sometimes, not hiding, but sometimes you thought he could have made himself available mm. a little earlier. He was a little bit raw. His touch was a little bit off, I mm. thought. Um, he <clears> should have done better with that chance What when Fletcher's shot was spilled, I thought. I thought he was um, unlucky there. Mate. But, but that's it. Like Gav's just said, people are watching on the telly. Now, I've watched the game back on the telly and it looked like he had a cook game. Yeah. So it's one of those moments. It's strange one. It's one of those things, you know, was it... Do you trust mm. your is, that part, is that the yeah. team thing again? Is it you know you, it, because he was because the whole team was playing well, you can't help but play well in a sense. You know he's, he's lifted up to that level as mm. well to a degree. Mm. I mean, I'm, I'm a big fan of out the door. I like him because yeah. of his strength. I don't, yeah. I don't yeah. think he's a natural goal scorer. No. Mm-hmm. No. Like, I, mean, I don't think he's even one in three. I think he's like one in four or five. Well, yeah. I mean, he's one well, in ten. But mm-hmm. we made the Emil Hesker comparison. Yeah, we made the Emil Hesker comparison before, and obviously. Not natural thing for people to do is sort of roll their eyes at MAS but you know when when he when he was at his best for Leicester and Aston Villa and stuff and even England when he was at Liverpool yeah that's, that's, right that's, Liverpool. Well, was, yeah, that's, that's, that's the mean, job it, it almost begs the question then if Fletcher and Altidore are forming some sort of relationship between them does he go four four two again? And it's, it's because that's and where it's going well, to work. Interesting. Well, what gonna, do you do with Jackarini? Yeah, is he going to exactly. become? Well, I keep on thinking. I think Jackarini is a Steve Malbronk. I think he's a home player. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think away games he, he he tends to get he tends to to, to to disappear a bit. But when I've seen him at home, I think his energy levels suddenly seem to rise, and he's a real handful for teams. Mm-hmm. But where, what do you but do, where do you with play him? him? Yeah, where do you play him? Well, the thing is about Jack, Jackarini. Um, we, we will get on to team selections about Holland stuff in a bit, but. First of all, the fact he didn't come on, Craig, but we've just mentioned a positive change there with somebody like Key coming on. It was the same with Johnson 
when Barini, the match winner, obviously came on. And that's something we haven't had for a while, which is a bit strange to be saying this when we're rooted at the bottom of the league, but we haven't had game winners and game changers on the bench Well, it's funny because before the game, I'd said about um, Johnson, having thinking that he'd be on the bench. And I said, that's possibly no bad thing because he can come as an impact player. Yeah. And suddenly, like you say, the bench, you could argue, had impact players because mm-hmm. Giaccarini could come on and if he gives a burst for 20 minutes, half an hour, as he's done mm-hmm. in terms of pace and being lively in a handful for a tired team to try and pick up, then mm-hmm. he could be he could have a big a big part to play. I think Giaccarini might have come on if Bardsley hadn't got yeah. injured. Yeah, that was it. Like, mm-hmm. yeah. I think he would have. Yeah. I think he might, he, he might have seen Altador or Fletcher go off and he would have just given that bit more solidity mm-hmm. centrally you might have brought him in into where Gardner's been playing that yeah. sort of role well one of my one of my mates who, who listens to this and he knows how obsessed I am with the, mid, the midfield three thing and the, and he kept <laughs> walking past my seat I sit where the aisle is so my friends and <clears> stuff always come along and have a quick chat with me when they're walking past and he kept saying now's the time for a midfield three now's the time yeah. for, before they equalised yeah. and I thought that that was going to be an obvious one one of the forwards come off and Jack Larini come on but as it happens Barini was the game changer Gareth we've been wondering when we're going to see him but we have always said, out wide, coming inside is where he looks dangerous. That's where he looked dangerous. Well, in for theory, Liverpool, he, he, you know, in theory, I keep th- thinking about Barini. Had they sort of uncovered it, potentially a really good player there? Because you keep going back to why would Brendan Rodgers? Why would Liverpool pay ten million pounds for him? There must be something in the player. And you know, he's lively. He's little. He's small. He's a bit of a human dynamo. And if he can finish like that a few more times, a bit of confidence behind him. It's it's funny because I watch him sometimes uh, warming up and his shooting so his like I've seen him miss open goals at half time into an open net like dragging it wide and then but he's willing to have a go from outside the yeah, end yeah. You know, like, every time he's been on he's like shot from 25 yards yeah yeah but mm-hmm. you know what a unbelievable goal that was I'd see, I've never seen scenes like that in the stadium for a long probably long time probably since Richardson time. scored in the same I, I would well, say it was, it was yeah. that free kick earlier on you thought here we are yeah. exactly the same position yeah, yeah. unfortunately Fletcher I would say it was decided a, to take it. Yeah. <laughs> I would say it was it was probably the the craziest celebrations for I've seen at the state. I think it was Eclipse the Richardson one. I think just because mm-hmm. it was so well, it was late and dream, come out dramatic. Mm-hmm. And, <laughs> yeah. Still in the corner. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. An unexpected perhaps because the, the, the Richardson winner was a time when we were fancying ourselves pretty yeah. much against New York Arsenal. It was wasn't like seventieth minute or so, but you know, score pretty much last couple of minutes to. You know, to win the derby like with a goal like that is to mm-hmm. roy the Rovers. But, I mean, we touched on it before, it? Craig, and you just want to hope that that transforms to the training ground now, don't you? Because we're going to speak more about the whole game just now, but that's got to give a players an extra bounce, hasn't it? An extra step in the bounce. It's momentum, isn't it? Um, we were talking about before earlier in the season, might have been on, and the, um, the fixture list. Like I know you were saying, Gareth, oh, you've got to play everyone twice. Yeah. It doesn't matter. But the problem is, if you start losing games, yeah. and yeah. then you look at teams like Liverpool, it's hard and United, Arsenal, hard to get out of, yeah. where do you get the momentum from? I think that if they gives lost, you if they, momentum. If they, if they drawn or lost the weekend, they'd have still felt that the, you know the season was over because yeah. they'd, they'd have felt they're, they're getting nowhere. You know, the chlor is sort of treading water in a sense. And I just think you know, above all, I think one of the, one of the biggest things about you know Barini's winner not only was it spectacular it was a you know fantastic way to win the game it was the fact that they didn't they didn't go down their heads didn't mm. drop like they did at Swansea when they conceded the equaliser yeah. he's been even speaking a lot about that hasn't he yeah even it? though Newcastle yeah. looked probably arguably a little bit stronger in terms of if, if one side was going to go on and win the game but the fact that they didn't you know didn't sort of drop back and let mm-hmm. their heads drop and they got back in it Mm-hmm. That'll be a big boost on the training mm-hmm. ground as well. It'll just it'll give them so much self-belief. In charge of their own destiny in that way, Craig, as well, weren't they? Because 
despite what Pardew said, um, they didn't have really have many chances uh, in Newcastle, and we restricted them to long range shots. And to be fair, we didn't either, but we scored with one of our well, we had scored when he came on. Yeah. I mean, yeah. that one through Cruel's legs. Yeah. You know, and uh, mentioned earlier, the one way out the door was on the rebound and the rebound. Yeah. We so worked Cruel a lot more than they yeah. worked Westwood. Mm-hmm. Their best chance was a John O'Shea backheader, yeah. which was his Kevin Ball Echoes moment. Kevin Ball, yeah, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah, I wouldn't. I would say that you wouldn't expect anything less from Alan Pardew to be honest with you I, I, I just thought yeah I mean a few people and even Newcastle fans said to me after the game they felt that um, Alan Pardew's comments were were bad losers they thought they were, they were I think the fans would rather somebody just come out and say we need to do be better and, and we should yeah you go back to the game in April and be five minutes before the game he's on the television saying oh you know I couldn't have picked a stronger team I'm absolutely delighted and then at the at the end he's all tied and we're a bit it's well you know, well, I, I think it's patronising you know? as well to, to supporters of either team yeah. to try and you know make everybody believe the game mm. was something different to, to the one they just watched. I well, mean. pre-game, he's come out with this kind of thing before. In fact, before we beat them three 0 saying stuff about obviously he wants to win this weekend, but but he doesn't want Sunderland to go down because it would be bad for <laughs> the area. And it's all like trying to be sort of nice, mm. but it's in a very patronising Sunderland's our little brother kind yeah. of. They're just the, the poor relations. And I just don't buy anything he says. No, I, particularly it, it's genuine. a funny one, Pardew, because I mean, I don't. As a manager, I don't dislike him. That you know, I think overall, you know, Newcastle fans are always calling for his head. But on the whole, I think you know he's not done a bad job there. He's you know he's he's you know we you know would look at Sunderland and, and be desperate for a top five finish and <laughs> European football, etc., etc. You know, <laughs> on the whole, he's not done so badly. No. And, you know, there are many managers that, that if this wasn't the derby, you'd, could have fielded a team like that away from home and it wouldn't have worked and had lost 2-1 and there wouldn't be the song and dance about it. Yeah. But because it's the derby, that's where he gets the criticism. He just, and it doesn't help himself. He just feel it's no. like it's a, there's, got, there's a, a disingenuousness to his general sort of things he says and the things he does. And it, I've said it, I've been on Total Sport a few times with Newcastle fans in the studio, John Anderson and stuff, and you just feel like he's... He's trying to pull the wool over people's eyes, like you were saying, Nick. Well, a bit, I, I think there's a little bit of this, I'm a Cockney, I've got to try and win yeah. friends up here, and mm. I think it'd be a good thing if I say this, and if I come out and say afterwards that you know we, we didn't deserve to lose, the Newcastle mm. fans will love me for it, but actually, mm. yeah, they're not the as shallow effect. as that, yeah. you know? Yeah. Yeah. People aren't as shallow as no. that, they can see through that, and I just mm. think that you know it's made a mistake there in doing that. On, yeah. on the subject of managers, by the way, I just want to say about Poyet and how you know, well he conducted himself during the game, after the game, things he said... You go back to De Canio and he won a lot of his support from the way he acted and reacted after that game. Um, it was that kind of jingoistic kind of thing that he did. Mm-hmm. And then it's like, you know, Poyet's just gone, you know, he hasn't. the build-up was so mooted. Like last mm-hmm. season with De Canio, it was like every day it was a new soundbite about, you know, war and <laughs> battles and all oh, that. Yeah, it was a contrast. Uh, but well, I, mean, I think you, 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 Craig used the word pragmatic earlier about the game and I think Gus Poyet is pragmatic I mean you're talking to Stephen spoke to him when you interview him he doesn't try and pull the wool over no. your eyes I think he's he's very honest about the the team the players the, the situation they're in I mean he, he said last week you know there is a there is a definite timeline for this team in mm-hmm. staying up I mean you can't try keep on going com, coming out gung-ho you know we can do this we can still stay up because in, in three weeks time or whatever it could have been this team will be relegated. Mm-hmm. You know, there's no trying to hide, no trying to disguise that, which I think other managers would do. Yeah, and it's nice to see him as well as following on from the comparison or rather contrast with Decanio. He 
heaped a lot of praise on the players. Mm. It wasn't about him, it was about the players yeah. and what they did. Which is interesting after Swansea, nice. when I noticed yeah. at the end mm. of the game, he walked away from the edge of the pitch and mm. purposely turned his back on the players, which I thought was quite telling. You know, There was mm. none of this sort of mm. smack which one on the back. It was it's just, I'm, I want nothing to do with you lot. Sticking with the word pragmatism, we'll speak about it, Craig. Is that, is that the most refreshing thing about Poyet's short reign? I mean, let's not get carried away. We won one game out of two, but... We were speaking again about it earlier, and we were saying, you know, we, we aren't suggesting he wanted to go to Swansea and have his team dominate the ball and play and like learn from that 4 0 defeat. But at the same time, because this was so everything against what people said he was going to be when he came here, you know, pack the midfield, play a nice football, that pragmatism thing is that the most refreshing that he can do that? Because he's always, he did say when he first came it was going to be a slow process. But you know this. This is starting from the very bottom, isn't it? Get the well, basics right, which is what, which is where the Canio went wrong this season. He never, he, for me, he could never take a step back. Say this isn't working. Mm. I need, I need to get some points on the board and try to introduce this again slowly. Well, it, we were given signals from uh, Swansea supporters, I think, uh, Swansea Brighton supporters, that when he first took over there, they were rock bottom. Mm. He did something similar. It wasn't this passing football yeah. and four three three. It was. Yeah. I'm going to, you know, work with what I've got here and we'll take it from there. And I think that's exactly what he did. And it is, it's exactly what you say, it's refreshing. With De Canio, he went from one extreme to the other. He was quite pragmatic at first, I felt. I don't know about you. Mm-hmm. He looked at what he had and the teams he set up against, like Newcastle and Everton, that yeah, the, they were, but that, that's the thing with Poyet. At least going forward, you think, well, if he is going to introduce something different... At least that something different is something you think would work at this level. Mm. Whereas with De Canio, it was this whatever gong ho. I think it was all too thing. much about him in the end. Yeah, there was man. Yeah. He couldn't man manage, and I don't think. I think that's one of the strengths that Poyet has. If you talk to the Brighton fans, talk to Brighton players, you know his man management was was second to none. And I think that's. It'll be interesting. I think Stephen's right. You know, we've only won one game, and it's only two yeah. matches down the line. We'll see how it goes. But it's how he's going to man manage Jackarini now. It's how he's going to manage Jack Colback after dropping him at. Swansea, but bringing him into this game and and how he's going to manage, you know, th- th- those players who who have got egos. I mean, Johnson there's another one. He wasn't happy to come off. You know, he's going to manage that and and so on down the line. I don't mind that so much because he's obviously wants he wants to play, and that's I guess what you want to see. It shows he's not, you know, yeah. gutless yeah. Yeah. as some people yeah. may have leveled in the last couple yeah. of weeks. You want to <laughs> see people disappointed not to be on the pitch. You want them yeah. to want to play. Yeah, because yeah. you, you've seen people come off and. I don't know, just look like... You know, well, like, ultimately, I mean, someone said, you know, if these players want to pre- play in the Premier League next season, they're going to start fighting for it. I mean, yeah, I mean, you can be cynical and say that, you know, if, if they did go down, most of them would end up in the Premier League again anyway because they'd be sold yeah. and that's the way they would play. But, you know, they've still got to look after number one at the moment. Well, a lot of them, apparently, I would imagine, we've tried to sell with uh, trying to trim the wage bill and it would seem nobody really wanted them yeah, so they might be lucky especially coming out of contract a few of them well, at the end of few, this there's season there's a good few coming up and, and that's an interesting one I think for next season yeah. Yeah, if they've got the stigma of because we signed a lot of them from relegated sides and if they've been aside well, I think that always did yeah. I think that's always hung over Gardner and Larson and I think to a degree it still hangs over Larson I think like you I need I need more convincing from Larson and I, I know he's not been helped playing central midfield and all over the place and maybe he's one of those players that needs an arm around his shoulder and needs to play on the right for a few weeks to get his confidence up there. But I, I still have doubts in the long run as to whether he's still now a Premier League player. Mm-hmm. Just to just touch on, did we mention him before? I don't know. But De Sena, who 
you well, know, I thought he looked fantastic. Yeah, actually, sort of, I mean, yeah. Because left back and he played yeah, well. Graham Anderson last week, um, you know, said basically he was bought as backup mm. and made the point well, backup to what he p- he picked him. Well, I mean, Paul mm. says he likes round pegs and round holes. And we, I think, the thing as well, obviously, was spotting Neil Atkinson from the Liverpool end a lot, who said he's pretty much a wing back. You know, I would be worried about him in a back four. Well, he did like to get forward. It's clear. Which he, he did, but, but he did, and I think we were all worried about doing that too much. But he did defensively look oh, fine, didn't he? he looked sound. Well, I think that was a work, but yeah. I mean, I think that was the fear with Newcastle. We, we, you know, you expect Newcastle to have exploited that, but they didn't. They never mm-hmm. exploited that, and we know what Remy can do because we saw him at Queens White Rangers last season, and he was explosive. You know, and, and you know, Remy was just. Oh, it was tame, wasn't it? He was on the fringes at best. Didn't even, didn't even notice him. Mm-hmm. Did, after, after no. checked the second no. half, he came out. I was like, "Oh, he's still on." And then he went off, and I was like, "Oh, mm-hmm. Goufran." Well, he was the most <laughs> anonymous <laughs> of them all, <laughs> Goufran. Yeah. yeah, that's what's here. I think Pardew got his huh? tactics wrong. Poyet got them spot on, yeah. and yeah. Um, that that was definitely telling. But it is going to be interesting what he's going to do about the whole game, and we're going to speak about that with Phil Buckingham from the Hull Daily Mail. That's coming up next. Okay, speaking about Hull City, we've touched on it there, uh, Craig. We 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 were saying there's two ways to look at this: whether Poyet reverts to how he played at Swansea, um, pack the midfield because it's an away game, or whether he treats it the same as the Derby game. I'm inclined to, to go for that, if I'm being honest. I think he might try to stop Huddleston playing in the middle, a little more perhaps if he's playing. W- w- what's your initial thoughts? Well, it does look a bit like their strength central midfield, mm-hmm. similar to Newcastle. Similar tactics than yeah, stop perhaps, them playing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Two up front. It's a, like, did Hull go back three against Tottenham? Phil, if Hull, if Hull pretty, did, what was the, the change in the Hull side with, without Huddleston yeah. playing? And, 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 and how, will they, how are they likely to line up? Um, it's a difficult one, really, because it's very much dependent on the ravaged by injuries at the minute and a lot of key players missing. So they were almost had the hand forced down at Tottenham. They did, you're right, they did go three at the back. But it was more like five, if truth be known. They weren't more full backs than wing backs. Mm-hmm. But um, I think in an ideal world, they'd like to go back to 4 4 2 because I've served them well this year. Yeah, and how important has Tom Huddleston been? Uh, he's, he's massive. Um, I know there was obviously interest from Sunderland in the summer. It's the one that got away, um, isn't it? Yeah. Time. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, whole sort is a bit of a coup for him, and he's he's been everything and more that they expected. Really, he's he's, he's just a class act. Um, I, I don't know. It's hard to really pinpoint a weakness in his game, but if, if there was one, it was um, you know a, a lack of games. But he's I think he's played some like eight or nine consecutive starts now, and that's the first time he's done that in four years, I think. So how, how, even that. Sort of deficiencies getting ironed out of his game, and yeah, he's no, he's been terrific, really good. So, how how deep has he been sitting, Phil? Does he just sit in front of the back four and marshal things from there, or is he playing a lot higher up now? Um, it's him and Livermore um, who will be back. Um, he was ineligible against Spurs, he, and he, he will be tomorrow night as well. Um, he he um, he'll, he'll be back alongside Huddleston, and they make a really good partnership because you, you've got Huddleston is is the more sort of relaxed ball player whereas Livermore's more about industry getting around the park and yeah they, 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 um, they complement each other very well and uh, as as you one of you touched upon there that is, is a real strength to hold this year You mentioned Nick there Nick you mentioned that Hudson was the one that got away I just want to know what you think about 
uh, I've said it before on the podcast when the only time I've ever been told to make a question to the Kanye or the last question or any manager, Sunderland manager for that in that um, in that sense was was when I asked about Huddleston after he'd signed for Hull and he he wasn't happy about that was he and that that well, could have that could have defined it that could have changed our season. I mean, Phil might know better than I do now because you, you know spoken to Tom and you may know well may know the background to it even better than we do here. But the way I understood it, Huddleston was was certainly the player that Sunderland were trying to sign. He was one of the you know the key men they were trying to get in through the summer. But what happened was that Jacarini was suddenly offered to Sunderland, and they couldn't believe their luck to get a player of his quality and caliber. So effectively, they bl- they blew their pocket money, so to speak, on Jacarini, um, and, and it left them in a position, you know, unable to really negotiate anything on Huddleston, um, and uh, effectively Hull then had the you know the, the ace hand in, in in terms of being able to have the money, and the and the leverage to get Huddleston to to Hull. And that was the first signs yeah. of a breakdown in communication between the director of football and the manager. I think. Yeah, go on, Phil. Yeah, Tom Huddleston has touched upon it, you know, briefly. But he, in in his in his eyes, he sees it as quite a, a simple decision. He was he was presented with. Um, I don't think it ever got too far advanced with with Sunderland. My reading would be that you know there was definite interest from Sunderland, but there was only Hull that ever had a bid accepted. So you know he was never presented with a choice between the two. And um, you know by all accounts, he, he met Steve Bruce was very impressed by him. Um, you know he was told that he'll be the the man that the team is built around, and and um, uh, it was it was a big step for him because you know it's a it's a club new to the Premier League, and you know if if he joins a club like Hull and they go back down, it, it's you know it's a huge backward step for him leaving a club like mm-hmm. Spurs. But so far so good. It's it's he's been vindicated in his decision. Yeah, I was going to say you must be delighted with your start or to the point now, Phil, where Hull Hull will be fancied by everybody for this game now. Yeah, it's it's, it's funny how the. The, the way they start the season's like changed the complexion of this game. Um, they've, they've been very impressive at home, uh, very solid. They've played four and taken eight points from from their the home games. So you know they've, they've they've done well and by no means a soft touch at, at home. So, but I'd, you know you've got to target these home games and the, the, their next two home games are Sunderland and Crystal Palace. Um, I, th- I suspect they'd probably take four points from those two if, if they were offered. Mm-hmm. But you know why not go for six? You've got to really. It's almost patronising, Nick, when people call when somebody you, you describe a team as being an honest side. That's probably the way people would talk about Hull. But that's that's what we reverted to against Newcastle, and it worked for us. Can you see another sort of almost like another derby? Two teams. Well, doing, I, 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 I mean, be, the biggest yeah. factor to me is Steve Bruce. Mm-hmm. I, I think whatever you say about it now, Steve Bruce, he'll want nothing more than to beat Sunderland. Um, it's a huge game from him in that sense. You know, there's a few old scores to settle. Um, you know what Phil says about them at home. I mean, you, you know, teams will, will go up or go down on the basis of their home form. And if if Hull can, you know, knuckle down at home and beat the teams around them, then then they'll be fine. I, the only other sort of proviso, I'm a bit sort of um, hung up sometimes on on records. And Sunderland have actually always done all right at the KC Stadium. So you just wonder if there's a bit of hit, that, that his, historical thing. Might just sort of, you know, it's uncanny and really just to sort of play in there. There's Altador going back, but as often as not, that that will go horribly wrong, and everybody <laughs> gets sent off after ten minutes or something. You know, I, I think it's more. I think the day is more about um, how Poyet sets his team up again, and how Steve Bruce, you know, gets hit hole fired up without getting them, you know, too gung ho about the game. Mm-hmm. Craig. Um 
Poyet has he was saying that um, Barini was unlucky not to start. Um, he was close to starting the Newcastle game. He scored a winner like that. Now, you know, I know there's no room for sentiment, but how, you know, how tempted is he going to be? Could you see him fitting Barini into the side? Bear in mind, if it's going to be four four two, you would have to play him on the wing. I'm not sure he would be mm. totally suited for no. that from the start. Not if, not if he plays four four two. If he reverts to a three man midfield, <clears throat> perhaps brings Key in for one of the front two. Uh, there's an argument for maybe seeing Barini on the left. Well, I, I, my gut feeling is he won't make many changes in the team that won at the weekend. Mm. And I think if, it, if there is going to be a change, it, it, I, I can see key playing because of the Huddleston factor. I think it, it you know, it's it's like for like in the middle. Mm. And I'm yeah. not sure that in a four four two on a three man. In a four four two, I think it, I, it comes back to I think Sunderland have got to win the game. You know, we've we've, we've talked about Sunderland's position. One win doesn't make a summer and uh, a season, and I think you know, they they've got to win at Hull. Otherwise, they're going to be back to square one in terms of where they are on the table, possibly with results elsewhere. And I just think you know that unfortunately, I could see Colback being the fall guy again, and and mm. Key going in for Colback in in that four four two. Interesting, Phil. Do you do you sort of worry about George Altador going back and making an impact? That's the kind of thing fans worry about, isn't it? Yeah, um, yeah, and you, you, you touched upon you know it being a big day for Steve Bruce. It'll be a big day for, for David Myler and for and for Elmer Hamadi yeah, as well. You know they'll they'll have a point to prove against some of them. I'm sure. I think to a degree, I agree, I, I agree with that, Phil. But I always think I, I think with Elmer Hamadi and and Milo, it was more a case of uh, they wanted to play week in week out, and um, they've got considerable affection still for well David Myler has I know because he comes back and watches yeah, games. Sure. So, I, but I think with Steve Bruce, it was he, he is very, very bitter about the way he was treated by Sunderland. So I think you know that takes it up a notch for Steve Bruce. And whilst Al Mahamedi and, and Myler will want you know to exact revenge for whatever because they're playing for Hull now, I don't think they're as driven in that as Steve Bruce possibly is. Well, speaking, no, of, I, I take sorry. your point, and, and, and Steve has spoken you know at length over the over the past sort of sixteen months that while he's been here is. You know how how sore he, he was. About he's still badly bruised by the whole. I mean, I speak to Steve every now and again, and you know our conversations are always peppered at the start by the by the Sunderland fact. He is still bruised, believe me, by what happened at Sunderland. Mm. Well, I don't think he'll ever leave him. To be honest, I don't think it I will. Don't. I don't think it will. It really did. It hit him very very hard. But the last time he was sort of I don't know bitter about something, or he had a team supposedly to be fired up. Of course, we went to St James's Park and got turned over five-one, <laughs> and then it was all about revenge after that, and we managed to scrape a one-one draw. Yeah. So I'm not sure whether that's going to make that much of a difference. Mm. I don't know. I, I, I mean, personally speaking, I mean, I got on well with Steve Bruce. I mean, as, as a guy, I liked him, and, and from a media point of view, I mean, Phil will probably back this up. He's fantastic to deal with. I mean, there's no, you know, you can phone him, you can talk to him, he'll give you off-the-record stuff. He, you know, he's everything. That you know, you go back twenty years. You wanted with a manager, you know, which which you don't tend to get these days. Uh, it all went horribly wrong for him, and, and and there's lots of reasons. And you can still look back now and say, you know, that some of the players that are still on Sunderland's books are the reason. But uh, I know your point about the five-one. It's a, it's a, it it makes it very very interesting at the weekend. I just make I think it makes it all that much harder to try and predict what's going to happen in this game. Mm-hmm. As Steve, as St- I know uh, Phil, we spoke and the changes that Tottenham were enforced, particularly with um, 
with Livermore not being able to play and stuff. Is, is Steve Bruce has he has he already sides much to suit the opponents? Because that's not something he really done here. That's one criticism I would have of him. He kind of was almost kind of improvised football. He knew how to set a team up and then sent them out there. Has his has his team selections changed much, or has he tried to keep a steady team? Like I know some of them have obviously been forced. Um, yes and no. I mean, throughout last season, he was he was a bit of a maverick in the championship. Um, by introducing this wing-back system. You've seen quite a few teams playing with it now. Um, I'm, I'm not saying Steve Bruce just sat in his bedroom and thought this one up all by himself, but you know, it, it's certainly becoming more vogue, and, and he was one of the first ones to, to bring it back in, and, and that produced great success last year, especially up until about December, January. It was towards the end of the season when you know quite a few teams started stumbling over the finishing line, and, and Hull was certainly one of those. I think teams perhaps found them out um, so you know, it, towards the end of the season, there was a couple of games where he, he did change it. I think he had to, but uh, in the in the Premier League, he's, he's you know it's been a fairly rigid four four two, and, and just given his given his players a, a lot of faith really, and and, and they've re- repaid him. I mean, going up to Newcastle, he was, he was brave. I know a lot of teams would would perhaps have gone up there or, or, or gone to away games, and you know just put, pack the midfield one up top. You know, he likes to play two up front, two genuine wingers, and, and you know he's got rewards in games. And it, even even Tottenham, I mean, they were very unfortunate because, as I'm sure you've seen, it was a, a, a very harsh penalty call. But they, they went there, look, playing for a point. If, if we're being perfectly honest, because you know they, they packed the defence and you know didn't didn't take too many chances going forward. So, but that's that's the first time we've seen them do that this year because they've they've gone to Man City, had a go. Um, Did they have a go at Everton, Everton as well? The week before had a go as well. So, I was just, know, no, just they're they're it's interesting you know, you go to a team like Everton this season and, and have a go. You know, bearing in mind Everton's form, mm-hmm. Gareth. The- Considering you know that that sounds like Hull are going to be very much on the front foot, as you would expect for a home side anyway, especially against a team bottom of the league like we are. So, this pragmatism thing with Poyet's going to have to come in again, isn't it? He, he can't just he can't go there and expect to just sort of dictate, can he, or will he? I think we'll we'll probably see um, a bit more of the ball than we did a, against Newcastle, it's especially if um, I think the, the fact that I think Newcastle missed a trick in the fact that they did match up to us, which was I thought was really unusual that they decided to go four four two because I thought they might. They didn't pers- initially, did they? they no. They, no. They, at half time, he changed it and they went four four two midway through the start. Um, kind but of, I, I kind of think that that's it. rather than doing that, that you need to impose yourself, whereas. If if Hull do play that, they play four four two. I don't know. Will they play four four two? Do you think yeah. this this week, Phil? I think it will be entirely dependent on you know who's who's fit come Thursday Friday because they've they've got sort of six six leading lights really currently out injured or sort of Livermore was ineligible. So it'll be entirely dependent on that really. Um, two two key players from the season have been. Robbie Brady, the the Republic um, yeah. of Ireland winger, and Shawnee Aluko, who's, who's new to the Premier League, who scored a fantastic volley up at Newcastle to win up there. The two of them, um, that, that's where the attacking flair comes from. Um, Aluko playing playing off a front man, and then Brady out wide on the left. Mm-hmm. You know, that, w- without them in the side, you, you, that is the the question mark on where, where are the goals going to come from. If Aluko doesn't play. And Graham's obviously, I think he's injured anyway, but he would be ineligible. Who would be likely to play up front? Sagbo and uh, 
Poshevitz, yeah? No, I'd, I'd, I would think it'd be Sagbo, um, and then perhaps maybe like a, a George Boyd or a Robert Corran playing off him. But Sagbo's impressed. Um, he, he opened his account at Everton, and we signed him in the summer. And he's, you know, he's, he's a big, strong lad, and he's a bit of a sort of a target man to, to bounce things off, and he, he'll give defenders problems, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. So before we let you go, Phil, can we get a prediction from you? Oh, um, be as honest as you like. You haven't got a hold back. There's no, there's no <laughs> diplomatic answers there. <laughs> well, well, I will say one thing for Hull: they're very tight defensively at home. I think there's only Cardiff have come up here and, and scored in in four games. So I, I think I'm right in saying that. Mm-hmm. So three clean sheets at home. I, I think they'll keep another clean sheet again because we've got defenders in great form. Like Curtis Davis has been fantastic. So. I'm going to say they're going to edge it 1-0 I think mm, I had a feeling that score was a score line was <laughs> coming from you ok thanks uh, I'd like thanks for your time Phil no problem take okay. care cheers cheers I'm going to finish by getting on with like to say Gareth's question of the week because it's his baby kind of thing but uh, I will I don't like the way that you <laughs> you kind of push it onto I'm me not, like you kind I'm of I'm trying to give you the credit yeah I'm trying to give you the credit yeah, that's all disassociate yourself one no, of the two absolutely not <laughs> what well, you, 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 you give me the winning you, you allowed me to have the winning answer the first week I so did, I've, got to, I've got to be happy with that but I want to know I'd be interested to know Nick's thoughts on on Steve Bruce who touched upon it there and his relationship and his utilisation of the press Nick to continually criticise Sunderland after he was sacked, what, what we're thinking? I think I, I think Steve may be a little bit misdirected in, the, in, in carrying on the sort of it's sort of public vendetta against against Sunderland. I think he feels now he's away from the club. He can it, it's safe to sort of um, nail his credentials to the wall in the sense that yeah, I was a Newcastle fan. I am from Wall's End, and so on and so on. But I think a lot of that's coloured by the by what his perceived treatment was. In the manner in which he was sort of sacked by Ellis Short and, and, and his departure from the club, um, you know, personally speaking, I got on really well with Steve Bruce, and you know, he was a, he was a, a pleasure in, in in the sense of a, a reporter to deal with because he would he would talk to you off the record. You could phone him. You could, you know, he was he uh, was very good to deal with in that respect, and and you know that you know, that does make your life a whole lot easier when it comes to dealing with a football club. It's interesting that the. One statistic was of the 12 managers that Sunderland have had in the Premier League, if you count Kevin Ball in that as well, he's the only one appointed in the close season. Mm-hmm. You know, every other manager's been appointed because the club's gone yeah. belly up. <laughs> um, and I think, you know, with hindsight, you know, the, the 10th finish, OK, even it was 13th realistically, it was still, a, you know, a mid-table, respectable finish. Um, sacking him in November, long way to go. I, I didn't disagree wholeheartedly at the time because I think you know he'd lost his way I think the Newcastle defeat suddenly just seemed to mm. he, he seemed to lose his way with that, that and took, it just got deeper and deeper off, for him yeah, yeah, and it made it harder for him and I was sort of collapsed Craig Steve, I was happy with Steve Bruce until until the point for yeah. me for me selling Henderson letting Malbronk leave replacing them players with Vaughan Gardner Larson people like that Big, big miscalculation, in my opinion, and I don't I, think we. I think the Henderson one is not. I'm not so sure because I think, like Mignolet, there comes a point where the player is not going to stay. Yeah, but the replacements. It's, it's yeah, how you replacement. Yeah, yeah. yeah, it's yeah. how you replace the players, and I think that, you know, they, they weren't replaced, and I think well, that's the argument now, isn't it? I mean, the players that went last season haven't been replaced, on the whole, and and it was a difficult one. I don't think you can. 
be blamed really for the Henderson departure mm. that that was no, inevitable no, that was going to happen the seal. I just think they, but, um, they, they, I, but I always had question marks over Larson and Gardner anyway I mean even Gardner yeah, at, me too even when he was a Birmingham player 6 you know, million because pounds he, well, we, knew, we all knew in a way in our hearts why he was bought it's because he scored 10 goals from central midfield the season before and Larson was and for Larson the set pieces was, you know, because and it, we and couldn't it, take corners and you think is that it can that, that consistency never happened you know Gardner never never replicated that mm-hmm. and Larson well, that's another His thing. I mean, I mean, the, I mean you know, we, wall, we, we, we've touched upon it a lot of times on the podcast, and we've said that Craig Garner was effective when he played in a three-man midfield. He came in. It was Bruce. You know, Bruce. You know, did he not do his homework before he signed this? It's all well and good saying I'll go and sign a, a midfielder who gets you ten goals in a season. If you don't look at how he fitted into a system and why he got ten goals in the season, and for me, that that sort of infamous Wigan game, um, which was his last here mm. when we lost two-one, for me, he. When Wigan equalised in that game, he took off Catamol and whoever was pairing Catamol at the time, I can't remember, and he put on Vaughan and Gardner. Both came on from the bench, I believe, and that was, you know, two players who didn't know each other's game or anything like that, and it was just a. Well, I think that pan- was the was game he didn't run. know what he was doing. He, yeah. was, he was stood isolated on the touchline. I think people need to remember that. He didn't know the, where the, he was. Yeah. I, think. Yeah. I mean, I think the other issue was, was you know, now you look at the way Catamol was performing. Is I'm not sure his management of Catamol was was right. I think you know I think he's said since in it that Catamol was a difficult player to manage because of the, his temper and because of all the other issues that went round w- with it with Catamol off the field. Whereas I think if you prove Poyet's proving if you can manage Catamol now, he was a real asset. Is a real asset to your team. And if, well, it was if, games under one year. And if he hadn't he was... got yeah, and if he hadn't got injured, and if you, if you had managed him mm-hmm. right, Catamol could have been a real yeah. key. Well, Catamol didn't even have the fans on his side when Bruce no, was here no. really, and I was I think it was. Possibly when O'Neill came, but I think a, a, game, a game away, game. yeah, and away to Peterborough yeah. in the cup as well. I remember mm. people started, start yeah, you know, be more. very vocally supportive of Lee Catamol. <clears> <isn't it? throat> um, <clears throat> it's he let Sana go as well at the start of that. I know it was that whole. He's um, a, his, his agents arrive at the training ground, say he's off to Galatasaray, <laughs> but other why other clubs don't sell the players. And we sell them. Mm, we've been talking about one of the Newcastle was a flash in the pan in a way, wasn't he? Because he was so impressive to start with. And you thought, yeah. well, here we've got a bullish midfielder who likes to drive forward. And in, after six months, you just thought, what's happened? Mm. It, was that because didn't... he was managed badly? Well, again, know? it could be because he wasn't coached properly or he'd, he'd lost the will to be yeah. here. Or, 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 But he certainly well, wasn't the player at the end that he was mm. at the start. Look, look I'm not going to say this is exemplary behaviour because it was disgraceful, but Kabai has gone on strike to get a move to Arsenal. Mm. Falls through. He wasn't great against us, but there's a club who won't sell unless the price is right. And I'm not saying we should base our model on Newcastle because let's well, face someone it, made they've the got problems. Suarez right? at Liverpool as well, yeah, you know, yeah and, exactly. And Rooney, you know, how, and how much can you hold on to yeah. players? But I think the other, the other side of it is, you know, Minilay contract was coming up, wasn't going to stay. No, I think it was right to sell him. And yeah. I think you know, and I think you know, you also sort of the caveat to that was you have West in Westwood, you had a you know ready-made replacement. Okay, he's not as good as Minilay. But he still, you know, you knew that you had a keeper. You didn't have to suddenly find yourself bereft and Westwood, of goalkeepers. Westwood and Minulay were level pegging at the, yeah. the start of the season where Minulay made yeah. his name in, as well, to be fair to Westwood. So mm-hmm. I think, you know, but yeah, it's diff- it's, it's funny because we're now we're going back over Steve, we're sort of out Steve Brucing Steve Bruce. We're kind of well, like it's a going back over think, history. I, I think if you we? look at Sunderland in the last two years, I mean, for me. It's not so much the issue of strikers because they've had they've got Fletcher in and you know they they've got goal scoring midfielders to a degree. My problem's been that they've never sorted out the fullback mm-hmm. situation. Yeah, oh, on left back especially, years, that, you know, that, and that's dragged on and on and on. Mm-hmm. And 
the full back and a central midfielder in the and, and we always come back to the, the central midfielder in the Kevin Ball mould. But those two positions are the two that really have been the thorn in the side of yeah. every coach manager that's under the hand the, the last few and years. And the definitive thing for me on Steve Bruce relating to that is that he said he has said repeatedly since he left it that a team is as good as their centre forwards yet that that to me implies he wasn't going to change the centre midfield situation and if Martin O'Neill didn't come and get more from those players we'd have went down that year the centre forward he did sign was Conor Wickham who also that also contradicts what he says because if you, you're only as good as your centre forward you don't go and bust spin 8 million quid on somebody like a teenager is, yeah exactly and then he didn't really use him either mm-hmm. he, obviously we got Benter on road he didn't use him he didn't mm-hmm. use Gardner he, no, he barely didn't. played. Gardner was really unhappy to be yeah. here. I think. I think he was going to leave oh, in, was, in, yeah. in, in January, and then O'Neill gradually reintegrated him. But yeah, um, I mean, now he's still stuck with these, you know, G. Wickham, um, G's one which G's sold. the extraordinary one, which yeah. who, who who should have been sold, and then that's Decanio. I mean, because Decanio put his head on the block for him. Mm-hmm. Decanio stuck his head out and said, well, "I want to keep him." When he was all, it was the deal was I think was just mm-hmm. about done. He was on his way to Germany and. But how did Canio stuck his neck out and said, I want him, want him to stay? Who romanced him on G? It's a weird one, isn't it? Who you probably watched videos of him in d- Germany. Do you think? Or do you think he was quite meticulous like that, wasn't he? Mm-hmm. It's almost like... watched footage of him in Germany. G's um, almost Where, like, by all accounts, well, he was probably in prison. Well, he probably said to himself, yeah. Dortmund or whoever, prepared to pay money for him. Yeah. There must be something about him, but... G's almost like... going out and signing someone, yeah. A player that we haven't... We didn't have, and then we would have gone and bought him for four million mm. quid from Augsburg mm. going oh this guy who's <laughs> this in the but then you know, if there was something with summer. him why, just, why did he go and you know utterly destroy his confidence well, that was it, it that was the key it, thing it, which is I can't marry that together you know mm. the, the, the palace and the other the issue point. you know when Look he took him off two minutes after half time yeah. when he's being clearly That's you know getting a barracking from the crowd just to, mm. to humiliate him mm-hmm. that was interesting one again but we're going to get away now then who have we got the weekend <laughs> yeah, well, you know, it's, re- it's relevant. You know, he's, he's had plenty to say. We're allowed to say, yeah. The, the last thing on Bruce that I can remember, we sold Bent. <laughs> oh, we, and are, we, are, I, we haven't I, finished now. We got Montari in, and I thought, you know, we've got players there for a, like a fluid 4 3 3. I can remember people talking about it. Like, Which Newton saying, suddenly well. we're going to be my favourite second mm-hmm. team. We could have had a front three of Welbeck, Jan, and Sessignon in theory. Obviously, injuries took the toll, but he had no intention of playing that. He, he, he used Sessignon as some kind of, in his head, New Malbrank out on the left yeah. wing and he just didn't know what to do with Sessegnon mm-hmm. I mean no one did in the end I suppose but I sell him. It, it just, he just <laughs> yeah. completely got it wrong like, yeah. he got that wrong when he had good quality players and he sounded a raft of not very good quality players and then didn't know what to do with them either mm-hmm. but because they were not good individuals the sum of the parts was so bad that he had to go in the end in my opinion which I think some of all up he sat on well, we better on be a Sunday. bit careful in case Bruce comes back and bites us all on the bum this well yeah. <laughs> no, no doubt that will happen because yeah. it's Adiak and Bai syndrome I know he's not yeah. an ex-player but it's that he can't buy a goal and he scores I was at that game Sunday, I was at that game when I remember reading in the paper on the way down on the minibus the one of the tabloids saying this is the worst striker that's ever played in the Premier League, and we were saying that's him scoring the winner today. Yeah. Screwing up, he scuffed one in, didn't he? He said, No, it's not. Yeah, <laughs> he's well, a list. Yeah, well, no, he's at, Paul the, at the time it wasn't far wrong. Yeah, yeah. he didn't exactly no, do much afterwards. Anyway. Visions of Anthony Latalic coming back. No. Yeah, well, at least, <laughs> at least, at least Barini showed he's There's a front Italic. three. <laughs> yeah. Never mind Italic. Ben Jan and Sessignon, Gray, Latalic, instead. <laughs> and don't forget Radha Pritcher. No, yeah. I don't. Oh. Poor lad. Mm. What a what a player. <laughs>
Good time to get your questions in now, guys. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> are we gonna are we moving on away from the whole yeah. thing? Okay, no problem. It's probably for the best. Yeah. <laughs> we get <laughs> yeah. sorry by everybody. Alright, question of the week then this week. I've managed to uh, not leave the answers at the other side of the studio, which is first time yet. Um so yeah, the question of the week this week was um what was it again? About Barini. That was it, <laughs> yeah. Questions. So I can't remember. I, have, I, I never write the question down. I don't write the answers. Um, yeah, give an abstract ex, uh, description of um, how you felt when uh, Barini's shot hit the net on uh, Sunday afternoon. Um, I've picked this music. The music didn't work last week, uh, unfortunately. Um, but, yeah, I've picked this music because we had the Eye of the Tiger at the weekend. Um... <laughs> So yeah, the answers then. We've got uh, Jack McCallback, I don't think that's his name, I think he might have changed that on Twitter. <laughs> and he said, uh, never was so much owed by so many to so few. We had defeated the Nazis on our doorstep. <laughs> this will lead to survival. Lee Taylor, when that goal went in, my dog had kittens. So I don't know what's been going on there. Um, Ross Varnum Collier said, like finding an extra Jaffa cake in a pack. Or like finding out the carvery is surplus meat. I don't know how that works. I think it's a constant replenishment. So um, I think it's infinite. But you know, carvery theme. Maybe that's maybe that's the the depth of the answer. You know, um, Luke Bowley, um, like I was doing a skydive from Mars while jacked up on heroin. <laughs> and you can see that on Channel Five uh, tomorrow <laughs> night at nine. Uh, John Ridley. I did a platoon celebration in the middle of the pub like Willem Dafoe in front of all the Geordies. Um, sexy Mac and Naughty the Word. Game, not the pub. Yeah. How Dwight Eisenhower felt before his post-World War II victory celebration. Wealth improvement. I think we've just plugged a business there. Um, first time I heard Sixpence on the Richer kiss me. Only better, but not you, please, Fabio. I'd kiss Fabio after that. Um, Craig Trainer. Get Martin like, Lindsay in a kiss. Yeah. He looks like him. Hi. Craig Trainer said I felt like punching a horse. So thankfully I'm not an idiot and refrained. <laughs> Gav Harford said, like a fat person who just realised they'd built a McDonald's next to her house. Her house, his house, their house. <laughs> We're not a misogynistic programme here. John Hutchison said, relief and a little bit of we. Uh, Michael Graham, like starving institutionalised dog in Ivan Pavlov's lab who's just been walking by a bell. Highbrow. Um, Dave Marjoram, like the mags were Pompeii and I was Mount Vesuvius. Uh, <laughs> That could be a euphemism yeah, for a lot Paul, of things. Paul, Paul Jake <laughs> said um, he was annoyed on that say the real words he used. I was at work and hadn't recorded the game. Ouch. I forgot to um, record the game as well. I was annoyed about it. I love Supreme had a couple. Um, like Roy Keane hearing the satisfying crunch of a snail shell underfoot, walking his dog the first day of spring. And also in characters Roy Keane, the satisfying absence of an open-top bus in the town centre. Hashtag heaven. Uh, Nick Holden had uh, Luke Skywalker after he guided the torpedoes into the Death Star's weak spot. And uh, I like this one. It was a, a sensible one, but it was touching. And I think it's the winner on that basis. And that was Tonto Safk. Elation and a memory of seeing my seven-year-old see Sunderland win at his first ever Weirtine derby. Oh Isn't that nice? Very Bring him to more, please. How do you follow He's obviously that? a good omen. Yeah. <laughs> so what, what are you? Have, have you got one? I, I didn't. We didn't tell Nick beforehand. No, so if he's my got bad. one, my got bad. one. I don't know. My memory is just the, of being drowned out by Gary Bennett next to me. <laughs> that happens every time. <laughs> that though, last couple of words of "get in" <laughs> a lot louder and a lot more audible than that. Mm. I was as, I was as happy as a pig 
in a sitting room, comfortable, nice warm sitting room watching Sky Sports News because everybody always gives pigs the injustice of saying happy <laughs> in another kind of substance and I don't buy it for yeah, one minute. No. I think they will be much happier in different well, circles. Parallels uh, in the time, setting, the clean time parallels between Sky Sports pigs, News and <laughs> Maybe, yeah. the metaphor. Mm-hmm. Craig? Uh, well, you know, I started cobbling some weird... I, I, I was watching Pointless yesterday and Trainspotting was one of the answers. And, uh, I don't know, maybe, you know, you've got... You've got um, What's his name? The main character. Ewan McGregor. Ewan McGregor. I don't think he's called Ewan McGregor in the film. Yeah, well, anyway, you've got him talking about, you know, when you take heroin and it's this absolute bliss. And I suppose that contrasts to, like, the 5-1. And that was, like, when you're lying there and the baby's crawling across the ceiling. (laughs) So, like... The cold turkey scenario. Yeah, the the other end of the spectrum when he's telling you about how great it is the first time you take heroin. You're not talking from experience here, But I've never taken it and never will. (laughs) Because I don't need to, because I saw... Win that derby yeah. game. That was a rambling, heroin just terrible. Was like answer. a heroin yeah. substitute. Yeah. Yeah. Like a heroin substitute. That would have been the shortened down answer <laughs> yeah. for that. Yeah. Um, mine is, uh, you know, that scene in Anchorman where he's um, on the unicorn with Veronica Corningstone, but uh, me and uh, Alfred and dies on the other oh, unicorn. Yeah, he had to get his so, love for Alfred, yeah. in, didn't he? So it that's be... after, especially after he sent that tweet before the game at the weekend, wishing all the lads luck and that, you know. Are you sure you're not there? Yeah. Come. <laughs> come exactly. Yeah. Come back on, on the mushrooms yeah. or something, anyway. I wish yeah. people could see the, the love hearts coming off, uh, yeah. rise above it, Gareth's yeah. head now. It's time to get over yeah, Alfred yeah. anyway, now we've got Jack back in the yeah. middle there. You know. Goes into his yeah. Alfred and die post. Yeah. Other, other drugs are available, apart from heroin, by the way. <laughs> yeah. We've plugged heroin quite a lot. We don't condone drug use. <laughs> yeah. Don't all. take any heroin with an E on the end. Well, yeah. But yeah, that's it, isn't it? So you yep. can do the end. Mm-hmm. And then. Oh, well, oh, should, should we plug the Sports Bites panel thing again, probably? Because we haven't done that in a couple of weeks. Gone. So yeah, we've we've got a couple of lads who are involved and we're, we're in currently in negotiations. Goldsmith's in, his, uh, in the house, dressed as a pig, watching Sky Sports News <laughs> Yellow ticker go across, saying that we're in negotiation with two people, undisclosed sources. Um, so yeah, if you want to get involved in the Sports Bite panel, you, you, you eventually get the opportunity to contribute to the programme. And meet people like Nick Barnes, which is a, a, a great honour, and to an extent Craig Clark. It's no honour. <laughs> no. <laughs> um, and Stephen, of course. You know, Stephen might take you out one day on a little trip. So, um, yeah, uh, get in touch on Twitter. Um, it's at WiseMensay1973, or you can contact uh, Spark Sunderland or Sportsbite, um, and they'll put you in touch with us and then we'll sort it out and get you involved so if you're an aspiring broadcast journalist writer um, you know anything really radio and you're at the university you know get involved it's it's, it's canny it's pretty good isn't it alright it's alright what enthused what was yeah. the, the what was I think is it alright Craig <laughs> I'm just kidding yeah. I think everybody switched off just yeah, yeah. <laughs> sheets that say yes big cheer big cheer yeah applause, applause. 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 and applause sound the warm up man at I'm, the end I'm always here of course I love it yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah. I know Craig waits outside when we're, when we're coming he's waiting for his outside. next fix this is the only show that has the warm up man at the end this is there's no the cool down man I think exactly well Hopefully, it's going to be six points and another win to talk about, and we're not going to we're not going to fall back into that familiar territory of um, just going over what went wrong, why things went wrong. And for now, we're smiling. Hopefully, we'll be next week. Thanks for tuning in. We'll be back next week. Over and out. Hold up. 
Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware.